Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Second Corinthians, if you have your Bible tonight, chapter 3, Second Corinthians, if you'd turn there. Uh, no doubt if I ask the question tonight, how many here uh, desired to change everyone perhaps no doubt would respond. There would be something in your life that you wish was different, needed to be changed, transformed. It needed to be altered, need to be turned around. Sometimes these things are external. Marriage, relationships, finances, Problems outside of the heart. Others are internal, deep in the personality. But the real key tonight is if you can, with the help of God, change your heart, you can change your life. The problem and the difficulty is how to do that. I've had people over the years, Pastor... I'm struggling. Things aren't right. And they'll begin to share what needs to be changed. But then there's always the big question of how. How do, how do I do this, Pastor? I've tried this. or I've, The world is filled with all kinds of programs. Men go to educate themselves for years, sometimes decades, with the sole purpose of trying to help people change an area of their personality or a flaw or a weakness or an area that's been stained by sin. And so tonight, out of the Word of God, I want to try to help you on a sermon I've entitled, Looking into the Mirror, 2 Corinthians 3, beginning with verse 14. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with an unveiled, or the old King James says, an open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to read that last verse again. But we all with an open or an unveiled or an uncovered face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed or transformed 
into the same image, in other words, into his image, from glory to glory, by the Spirit of the Lord. Father, we come tonight by the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray tonight that you give tools, that you give understanding and revelation unto this people, that we be not tomorrow the same as we are today, that truly we would be changed from glory to glory into your likeness and image. God, I cast down spiritual blindness. God, help minister tonight. Your word and spirit lift the veil that hearts might be released. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all tonight, let's examine the difficulty of change. And I, and I want to say it is difficult. One of the most difficult things in all of life is to gather together the tools to change your own heart. Pastor, and, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening, and uh, uh, someone's sharing with me, they're saying, you know, I'm listening to this individual, and I'm thinking they haven't learned anything in 20 years. What they're saying, they're making a statement that they're still the same, making the same mistakes over and over, still the same attitudes, the same faults, the same flaws that keep bringing them into a pitfall. In other words, it doesn't matter. Blessing can be heaped upon them. Uh, circumstances can fall in their favor. But because of an internal attitude, it doesn't matter that eventually they're right back in the same old difficulty, the same old terrible circumstances, the same old pit. Because bad decisions has consequence. And when you look at people, not always immediately in life, and we know there's, there's um, uh, depressions and there's, there's wars and all kinds of things that happen to huge segments of society. But by and large in America, and to the people I'm speaking to tonight, um, any mess you're living in, you brought that pretty much on your own head. Nothing more common is to see people... My estimate, if they live to be 500 years old, they just make the same mistake over and over and over again. I see this in marriages. I see it in finances. I see it in the church, in God's people. I see it in our society and family. One of the things they, what is it they say about history? History has a way of repeating itself. You can study history and say, oh, there's the mistake. That was the mistake of the Roman Empire, the greatest empire that ever existed perhaps. And they decayed, declined internally, families collapsed, morals collapsed, and the nation was conquered not from without but within. Now we can read that. But history has a way of repeating itself many times even when you have knowledge. I was thinking about our former president, Clinton, when I was doing this. This guy's a Rhodes Scholar. That, you're, you're not a Rhodes Scholar if you're a dummy. He had intellect. He had personality. What, it, what that means, he was able to charm people. He was able to attract people to such a large degree. They elected him president um, uh, for a number of terms. Um, and yet this area of his life never got breakthrough, never changed uh, from governor in Arkansas all the way to the White House and probably before, over and over, there was this infidelity, this loose conduct. He never did get it. He really 
risk everything, um, uh, this one area of his life, no matter how intelligent he was, um, how many books he's read, they said he read more books than any president uh, that they could remember, and yet with all of that intellect, no doubt he'll be remembered, not as a Rhodes Scholar, but he'll be remembered for this one area of his life of infidelity, the Monica Lansky thing, uh, and on and on and on and on. Uh, and in our text, uh, it says in verse 14, but their minds were blinded. Now Paul's referring to the Old Testament Jews uh, rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior. And he pulls this out and he's writing to the Corinthian church uh, and he wants to use this as a wedge or an illustration to bring uh, revelation. He said in verse 15, because there's a veil, uh, uh, there is this covering that lies on their face or on their mind or on their heart. Uh, There's this inability to see the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is the Jews read the word of God every Sabbath day and yet when Jesus came they rejected him. You know it's possible that you can read the word of God every week and yet if your heart's not open you will still miss the revelation of God. The Old Testament that was designed to point a people to God did not accomplish that, he said, because they were blinded. Ephesians 4.18, it says, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Psalms 82.5, They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All of the foundations of the earth are out of course. It says, he here the psalmist, he pictures a person and because their mind, there's blind spots in their mind, it throws their whole universe out of course. It causes confusion and turmoil and disarray in their life because they cannot see clearly. Blind spots. What about you this evening? You see, it's possible for you to be here tonight, hear the word of God, and yet be blinded to your own problem. You see, a lot of things can veil your heart tonight. Sometimes we don't take our problems seriously until it's a total disaster and sometimes even too late. I see this happen often in marriage. Sometimes it's true in the church, people concerning their sin are backsliding. You see, the devil doesn't care if it takes 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. As long as you give him an area of your life that you're unwilling to deal with, he's patient. He bides his time. You're convinced it's no big deal. Then at a critical moment... uh, when you're either discouraged or you're upset or temptation is heavy or you're misunderstood, you're in some kind of crisis, there's a lot of things on your plate, he will use that area to pull the trigger. And if you're not very careful, you'll begin to fall and you'll totally miss God. All the while, you'll think it's not serious because it seems to have no effect on me right now. The devil's patient. You need to understand that. 
You know there's a problem. You know there's a difficulty. It may be your marriage. It may be finances. Um, it might be your relationship with God. It might be a sin or a temptation. You know there's a problem area, but you just don't take it serious. You just kind of blow it off. It's a veil. Also linked to that many times is I can always fix this. If it gets any worse, I'll fix it. If it gets too bad, I can. Do, I know it's there. I'm aware. I, I know I got this problem. But you see, I've kind of got it harnessed in. It's not out of control. If it gets out of control, then I'll deal with it. It's like being aware. You ever, you ever have your brakes start to make a noise? I'm not real mechanically inclined, but Roy Sablowski, when he was on staff, he'd once in a while ride with me. He said, what's that noise? I said, what noise? He said, that's your, that's your brakes. You know, he... And, and his ear was kind of tuned for it. And you know, a lot of people, you hear, I know, you know, a little screech here or there. Who cares, man? We're zooming down the road. Um, and, and what happens, though, because you don't do, well, I can fix this anytime, man. I, I, I'll, I'll, you procrastinate. I, I'll deal with it later. You know, I, I, I know it's there. I, I can hear I, It's getting a little worse. And, and then what happens if you're not careful, it begins to belch out um, and create, you scar your drums. And then what was just putting some shoes on because comes a major break job or if you're in a crisis and you have to have all the pedal that you can absolutely grasp and it's not there you have an accident destroy your car or take someone's life or there's an injury that's also true in the spiritual realm we have a problem we have a sin we just want to deal with an area of our life Oh, we know it's there. We're aware of it. We're not ignorant of it. But hey, it's not that bad. Then there's those that are just disobedient. They know they have the problem, but they could care less. That's the way I am. You don't like it? Tough. Sometimes it's a foul attitude. Sometimes it's a, it's a gripe. Uh, it's a complaint. You ever be around people that are critical and griping and complaining all the time? It's weary. Others, it's their bitterness or their anger or their violence or sometimes it's selfishness or covetousness. You know, there, there's a joke among, among the preachers when we go out to eat, you know, and, and, and the check comes, you know, and, and uh, uh, we, we, we all laugh, you know, and says, let me pray for, you know. We all, they go in slow motion, you know, to get their wallet or their checkbook. It's a big joke, you know, most of them are very liberal. But you know, there are people like that. Amen. When the offering plate goes by, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're praying, oh, Shanda, you know, you're speaking in tongues or something. Sometimes it's foul behavior. You're a slob. <laughs> Sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's people that have a chip on their shoulder. Or other people, they're just lazy or they lie or they steal. Sometimes it's foul habits like cursing or, or drugs or alcohol or, or you don't bathe or, you know, it could be any number of things. Sometimes it's foul emotions, um, a jealousy or self-pity or you're negative. Um, but you see, if we bring baggage into the kingdom of God just because we're saved, oh yes, we're forgiven, we're loved by God. But you see, salvation's what he says in the text. Um, he says one of the marks of salvation is the veil is removed. What that means is now you should be able to see the problem. That's a mark. The reason you got saved is you saw your sin. 
You may not have understood it all. I didn't when I prayed 30 years ago. Didn't have a clue. I just knew I was messed up, needed help, cried out to God, he forgave me. But my eyes came open. Nobody had to tell me to go home and, and break the bowl and the pipe and the drugs and all of that. I, I, you know, and pour out the Jack Daniels. My wife and I, we were safe. Immediately God dealt with us. The veil was removed. But even in spite of all of that, very few people have I seen. The, it's like pieces of the veil remain. Amen? It's like there's areas of our life, even though we're saved and love God, we just don't want to deal with it. Sometimes, like I said, they just don't want to change. They're not even interested. Doesn't matter how many people they hurt, how many people their sin affects, Husband, a wife, children, church, it doesn't matter. How many jobs they lose, doesn't matter if it takes them to hell. They don't care. Prime example is Balaam in the Old Testament. Most of you know his story. This man knew God. Some of the great prophecies in the Bible came out of this man's mouth about the end times. And yet, Balak come along and offered him wealth if he would curse the people of God. And he wanted that wealth. He had a problem with covetousness. He had a problem with mammon or money. He wanted it. Um, and God says, no, I don't want you to curse my people. That's, that's absurd. That's, that's crazy. And he told him no. And he said he sought the Lord again. God said no again. He sought the Lord again. And then, and then also Balak ups the ante, brings more gold and more silver and more wealth. And he's going to give him prominence. He's going to give him prestige. And he keeps pressing God and pressing God. Finally God says, hey, Go to it, man. You can press God enough and he'll turn you loose. And then he told an angel to meet him and kill him. You know the story? His donkey fell down. He's kicking the donkey and the donkey speaks to him. I mean, you know, you've heard me preach that a year or so ago. I mean, his donkey's talking to him saying, this is not a good idea. See, see, can't you see? He see he's got a veil over his eyes. He prophesied. You can read some of the tremendous prophecies that come out of his mouth. And yet, when it come to money, he was blind. The donkey could see the angel with the drawn sword, and he couldn't. And finally, the donkey donkey points it out to him. And and this after he's kicked the donkey and everything up. But you know what? It still didn't stop him. Now you got to, you know, I mean, a donkey talking to you can't stop you. You're set, man. But I want to focus on another area of spiritual blindness this evening, probably one of the most common. Because I trust most people here tonight, you really do want to change. There's areas of your life that you recognize you need to change or this could be your downfall. This is going to bring you great harm. Somewhere down the road, your concern is it's going to catch you. You see, so many know something's wrong they know there's a problem or a difficulty, but many times they're not sure exactly what's causing it because the devil's two favorite weapons, two of his most polished tools against you and I, one is deception and the other is darkness. He is skilled in the use of deception and darkness, and I'll explain those. But let me give you a few scriptures in Revelations of the last book of the Bible, 12.9, we begin to get a clear picture of who we're battling. The Bible says that great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. 
He was cast to the earth and his angels, these fallen angels became demons, were cast out with him. Revelations 20.10, the devil who deceived them. Revelations 13.14, he deceives those who dwell on the earth. He's known for his deceptions. And there's an acceleration of his deception in the last days. I don't know if it's because he's become more cunning or just that man has become more gullible and less discerning. But the Bible in the last days, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13, he gives that whole list, Paul does, of of the last days and he says, and then he says, but evil men, imposters, will grow worse and worse, deceiving. Jesus in Matthew 24, when he, uh, they ask him, what's the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he goes in, he says, take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 11, deceives many. Verse 24, to deceive if possible, even the very elect. This word in the Greek, it means to cause to stray or to wander away. It's to cause to err. It's to lead you off the path. Um, It's to bring you to a wrong judgment. It's to seduce you mentally. It's a mental seduction. The old uh, Greek word is to beguile, to entice, to ensnare mentally. He is very, very apt. He's a master When it comes to the ability to cause you and I to accept a lie and think it's true. That's deception. To lead us away from truth where we embrace a lie or a falsehood or a deception concerning our own personal life, our own personal sin, our own personal disobedience or rebellion. And he does this by word, by thought, by mental pictures or mental images. Think about Eve in the garden. And we have some, uh, you know, numbers of new people, and this is a great text. Um, uh, in Genesis, uh, you know the story. God created Adam and Eve and all of this, put them in the garden. It's a beautiful place. They're going to live forever. They have dominion. There's no sin. They have fellowship with God every day. comes down the cool of the day. God put a restriction on them, though. God says, you can eat of all the fruit in the garden, but there's one tree in the midst of the garden. I don't want you to eat of it. If you do, you're going to die. Now, that was truth. But watch the serpent. He comes to Eve, and he begins to get in her head. The apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, he wrote it like this, but I fear somehow... As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. What the serpent did, you can read it in Genesis 3 and and right through there, verses 1 through about 10 or so. He got in her head and he did it by mental pictures. He comes along one day and and, and he puts God to the question. He says, says, God said you, you... You can't eat of the trees? Oh, no, no, no. She says, God says we can eat of all of the trees, uh, but this one right here. And he gets her to focus on many times the devil in his deception will try to get your mind to focus on what God has said, I don't want you to have. I mean, think of that. I don't know how many trees were there. I'm sure there was more than three, knowing God. 
I mean, my picture of the Garden of Eden is not there's one skinny old apple tree with a few worms and, and a few rotten cherries and, and plums that, that some monkey trampled on, you know. I mean, in my mind, there's fruit everywhere. I don't know. Um, I mean, this place is lush. It's blessed. Um, it's not like they're starving. But you see, he focuses her, and now he begins to build this mental image in her head. She looks at this, and what does she say? Pleasant to the eyes. Desirable. Oh, that word. Desirable. Desirable. There are things that your flesh says desirable. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. Don't want you to taste that. And then he says, surely God hadn't said that. God wouldn't say that. She says, oh, yeah, I did say it. Well, the only reason God would have said that is he knows if you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God. She says, yeah. And can't you see in her mind, she pictures herself like God. Like God, all of witchcraft and all of that. The whole seduction of, of witchcraft and, and, and seances and, and, and the whole realm of, of that is that you're going to have this power. And he paints this picture in her mind. And the Apostle Paul says he mentally reached into her mind, painted an image of what God said, I don't want you to have. And now she's over the edge. She wants this. She can see herself tasting this. And it's going to be wonderful. Bible says about forbidden fruit, there's something about forbidden. You ever have someone tell you no? You ever tell your kids, don't touch those cookies. You can see them, man. Something, something rises up in them. If they weren't thinking about it, now they are. And so you must understand the devil is not more powerful than you, especially as a Christian. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he is a master at deceiving you and enlisting your will until Eve, she made the choice. That's deception. Thinking perhaps she's going to beat the consequences. What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you. If you don't mind, first of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, Uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons delivered directly to your phone or your computer. Uh, The next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you, if you're enjoying the daily podcast, fellowship sermons from around the world, please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us a five stars, uh, and if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt there's people in your church 
that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church. And I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe we could use for the kingdom. And no doubt that there are some of you, you know somebody who knows somebody who's got about 10,000 sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on. Or, or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to we wanna get our hands on those, uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, we want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys. Let's see if people are deceived today in the church. This is a test. I want to, I want to give you a test. Are you ready? Tonight, I want to give you a test. It's kind of a teaching class. 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, let, me, let me put a little test out with the Word of God. Everybody here ought to mark this in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know... That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Now, that, how many understand what that means? I mean, that's clear, right? Don't, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. How many know what fornicators are? That's sex with two people who are not married. Nor idolaters. That's where you worship things, whether it's religious or otherwise icons. Uh, you've exalted uh, this into an image. It's a worship of image. Uh, nor adulterers. That's people who are married, having sex with someone other than their mate. Nor homosexuals. I mean, what that is. Nor sodomites. Hope you don't know what that is. <laughs> nor thieves. Nor covetous. Nor drunkards nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, now let's put it to the test, see? Now, now that's very clear, right? God says, look, look, if you do these things, um, uh, you know, you're going to have to get it right. You can't live in that lifestyle and enter my kingdom. You can't participate. You can't embrace it. Now, I know people fall and repent and go on and get clean and live for God. But what he's saying is, but how many, think of that. That's plain. How many in the church world, though? They got homosexuals. They're ordaining behind the pulpit. How many sit in church and fornicate? And think there's no consequence. See, you have the ability tonight to sit here and hear this sermon, be as guilty as sin, and yet right now, excuse yourself. That's deception. It doesn't apply to me. And it all happened in your head. The Apostle Paul said, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. You'll reap cancer. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life and life everlasting. You see, the devil traffics in deception, but he also many times links that with darkness. That's where we can't see clearly. In other words, um, this climate is where he rules. 
And let me give you some scriptures. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and all that. Uh, we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. And he says, and against the rulers of darkness. You see, the devil's strategy is to create chaos, confusion, upheaval, and disorder in your life. And behind that, he works his deception, many times even linked with that. Ephesians says these words, 4.18, having their understanding darkened, blindness of heart. Romans 1.21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became fruitile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Psalms 82.5, they do not know uh, uh, they do not understand. They walk about in darkness. Anywhere the devil can create darkness, he has the advantage. This is what we're talking about is the absence of truth. Truth in the Bible is known as light. Anywhere in your heart this evening, anywhere in your mind where you say, that, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. Right there, there's darkness and deception. Whether it's covetousness, any of those things listed, whether it's uh, uh, stealing, reviling, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, idolatry, any of those places where you say, you know what? That doesn't apply to me. Right there, there's a veil goes up. And right there, the devil begins to traffic and he begins to work his strategy of destruction. You ever ever notice when, when things go crazy? Ever had things go crazy in your home or marriage? I'm talking about where everything just comes unglued. How many ever had that? Come on, that's all right. You're among friends. And what happens, you begin to do things and say things. Right? Connie and I used to go at it in the old days. And, um, you know, she was a thrower. Some women are throwers. I hope you're not. But I was quick in those days. I was young and trim, and I was a moving target. But it, never, it, it would start over something very, very simple. Come home, maybe I'd come in or something, and, she's, and I say, hey, what's to eat? She says, yeah, I, that's, that's not what I wanted. Oh, it's not what you wanted, is it? What do you want? Well, I'd like a little... Well, hey, you you know where it's at, don't you? And it begins to escalate until pretty soon you're saying things. Pretty soon you're angry. If you're not careful, you're cursing. And it it leads, it's on and on. If you're not careful, there's a blow or there's scratching or there's claws or you're throwing throwing bowls of soup and stuff. (laughs) I'm out of here. I don't have to put up with it. Who do you? Good, I'm good. I hate you. Never come back. And there goes your clothes. <laughs> You're in the automobile doing 100 miles an hour down the street. Or now you're going to go, it's, it's, it, you're going to get loaded just as quick as you can. Or it's, if you're into drugs or booze, it, this, whatever it is, right now, it escalated. It blew. How'd that happen? And later, what do you do many times? You say, I didn't mean that. <clears throat> Honey, I, I didn't mean to say that. Or, or you, sometimes you say, you know, I'm sorry. 
And what you're really saying is, the way I acted is not really the way I feel or think about you. Oh, I may have said that and did that, but I, I really don't think about you like, but you know, you know really what happened? And this is a great problem in this generation and probably every generation. But what happened was, um, is your feelings dictated truth rather than your mind and revelation. What happened is you just begin to feel. You begin to feel anger. You begin to feel you're upset. You're frustrated. Uh, your blood is pumping and you're feeling, you're getting violent, you're getting over the edge uh, and now you're screaming at the top of your lungs and you're screaming things that really in your mind you don't believe or mean. And you know there's people sitting here tonight, <laughs> you've done that since you've been saved, more than once. You were seduced, you were lured into darkness, a place where your emotions ruled. You ever hear of blind rage? You ever hear that term? Kind of an old term, blind rage. It, what they're talking about is someone was so angry, they, they just couldn't see what they were doing. I got a phone call today, and listen, listen to you. Let me say to you, don't backslide. I got a phone call today out of the past. I get these ever so often. This guy, it's in all the papers, so I don't guess it matters if I use your name. Uh, uh, J.C. Montgomery. Remember Duke Montgomery years ago? Uh, Duke was a, a man that got saved in my ministry and went on and, and was pastoring. Duke and Pam. Pam's in the Carbondale Church today. Duke had an automobile accident and, and died. And we, we took an offering for him and sent it back to the Midwest. Well, he had a younger brother named uh, J.C., they called him. He also came in and got saved. Right after Duke did, he came in and got saved. Now, this would have been 20, uh, 23 years ago or something like that. He came in, got, he's a young kid at that time. He, was, he would have probably been, oh, maybe 18 or 19 years old. He come in with his wife, young wife, and got saved. Uh, we're, we're Pastor Marilyn, got gloriously saved. Um, but her family was really tight in the Baptist church. Now, I'm telling you a true story. So what they did... They were saved, living for God. They'd got hooked in the drug. They would come out of the drug scene, living clean. And in our church for about three months, their older brother Duke was in our church, his wife. God, Tony Tomley, who's been here, and his wife preached on all of them. And so those folks, you've met them. In the, they were all getting saved at that time. And, and her family said, look, if you'll come back to the Baptist church, we'll let you play the piano on Sunday. And her old family was pulling on them. So they went back. He ended up divorcing her. But you know what he did yesterday? He beat his girlfriend to death. Guy saw him, went, he'd already got her in the car. I don't know if she was dead yet or not. Threw her out by the side of the highway and they saw him. Police, they had a, a search for him. High speed chase, captured him. Now, though he's not 17 years old or so, he's around 40 years old and he beat his girlfriend to death. Blind rage. There's a court term, crimes of passion. This is where your emotions begin to rule as though that's the truth about life. You allow your emotions to do your thinking. And in all of this, you won't see the devil. You know what you'll see is what you feel. 
And the deception is you'll think it's true. I have every right to feel this way. It's your fault. I feel this way. It's you. You made me this way. If you would just change, then I would change. And if you're not careful, you begin to live your whole life in that arena. I want to close with a thought tonight is if you want to change, you have to look into the mirror. Look at our text again. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But we all with unveiled open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed or transformed into his likeness by the Spirit of the Lord. Now listen to me. I've said everything tonight to bring you here. God says, I have a mirror and, and it's, it's the glory of God and the Word of God. James 1.22 says these words, but be doers of the word of God, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and then he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And so here God says tonight, he says, my word and my glory is like a mirror that you hold up to. And the object of a mirror is what? Why do you look in a mirror? How many looked in a mirror before you came tonight? Most everybody probably. Come on, you know you did. (laughs) All humble and everything. So what do you do when you look in a mirror? Why do you look in a mirror? Why do you have a mirror in your house? Some of you ladies in your purse, on your visor in your car. Why do you have one? The reason you have one is you want to know if something's out of place, if something's not right. You men will look in, look at your hair, look at your mustache, look at whatever you got, look at your clothes. Women, their makeup. And then you will, some ladies will sit for an hour making adjustments. Right? Because what they see does not satisfy them. They want improvement. Robert sits on the front row. He gets it all the time. <laughs> God says, that should be why you look into my word. When you look into my word, you are using something that's honest. See, this don't lie. It tells the truth. Remember, who was the old witch? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror, what would it say? Uh, Cinderella? Was it Cinderella? Who was Snow? Who was it? Snow White, okay, Snow White. I got you there, didn't I? <laughs> and, and, so, and so what did she do? She got mad at the mirror. Broke it. Broke it, busted it. Thinking that was going to make her more beautiful. You know, if we're not careful, we do the very same thing with the Word of God. We look in there. We hear a sermon. Someone speaks truth to us. 
and we don't like it. And what do we do? We want to destroy either the Word of God or the messenger. Or we want a disclaimer. We, we make an excuse. We blame someone else. Let me ask you, what do you see when you look into the Word of God? The proper way, he says, is with an open heart or an open face or without the veil. That, if you're going to be changed, you're going to have to look into the Word of God with an attitude that says, you know what, God, speak to me. If there's areas of my life that are messed up, where do you want me to change? Some of you got marriage problems. You ought to look into the Word of God and say, God, what in me is messing up this marriage? You got financial problems or, or you got sin problems. You got relational problems. You got attitude problems. God cannot change you until you're honest. He said the Holy Spirit, he talks about the Holy Spirit is the instrument here. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. Jesus said, uh, writing, uh, John writes about Jesus, the Holy Spirit when he comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth. You know what the Holy Spirit does tonight? Numbers of people filled with the Holy Ghost last week. You know what the Spirit of God wants to do? He wants to, convey, he wants to lead you and, and point your face right at the Word of God. Because the Bible says, in this text we read, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You know what that means? Where the Spirit of God has the liberty to come up and say, hey, you know what? You, you got a smudge right there, you know. <laughs> you know, or, or, or you know, you, you're, you're, your makeup's a little wrong there. Hey, hey, man, your, your shirt, you know. Or, you know how we do? We look in the mirror. We make adjustments. But why is it when we look in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit brings, uh, brings us up, puts our face in the mirror of the Word of God, and conviction, He begins to convict. He's a convictor. And why is it we will do it with our natural body? Which is best you can do, buddy. It's going to get dust to dust, ashes to ashes. <laughs> you can do everything you want to do, and that's not evil. But you're fighting a losing battle. Trust me. Hey, I've known some of you 20 years. You've known me, but I've known you too. Amen. <laughs> and you know what? But when it comes to eternal faith, he says, it can, you know the thing about the spirit in you and the Christ in you, the born again in you, it can change from glory to glory into his likeness and image, eternal where on the other hand, the physical does not. It does not change from glory to glory. It will climax in strength, maybe in beauty, in agility and giftings, and then it'll begin to digress in spite of all you can do. What about you this evening? Are you open-faced? You want to be changed? Or do you live in denial? What about it tonight? Huh? You know, I can I can argue argue with this mirror all night long. How many of you know that? How many ever argue with the mirror? I can argue with this mirror. I can look in there and say, Oh man. <laughs> Lord of God. Man.
and say, that's me, man, that's me. And it is. About 1957. <laughs> See, I can say, I can say, oh, that's me. Don't tell me that's not me. Right? If we're not careful, that's the way we do God. We look in there and we fantasize. We don't want to face reality. And we build our case that that's me. And we'll use some bits and pieces of truth, but we'll leave out the vital factors. Things have changed sometimes. It's called backsliding. Or we won't face the reality. What about you tonight? Can God still convict you? Or are you deceived and blinded? And you're thinking, you know what? I can beat this rap. Oh, I, I know, I know what Pastor Campbell, I know what, I know what Pastor, ha- oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you think you're going to beat through? God says clearly, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. God says you won't mock me. You may deceive people. That's possible. But I guarantee you one thing. I've lived a number of years. You'll not deceive God. If you want to change tonight, I give you the greatest key. You got to open your heart up to God. You got to remove all the fronts. Open-faced. And say with humility, you know what, God? I know I've got some areas, man, that are, messed up. I need some help. There's some things bouncing around in my mind, God, that there's some things I do, some attitudes I carry, some of my behavior. God, I know it's not, it's not changing into your likeness. It's like the likeness of hell. It's like the likeness of the old man. It resembles sin. But if you'll be honest if you'll allow the Holy Spirit of God to bring you to the Word and show you the real you, that's a big step because then you can deal with it. Then you can say, okay, God, help me now. You've showed me, now help me. And God says, I will. Would you bow your head with me this evening? We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.